Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora, and of course, I'm joined here by my co-host, Max Mallow, and I think I speak for everyone when I say I'm relieved 2020 is over. I don't know what's coming next, but I'm glad we can just, you know, just just move along. Just move along. Yeah, it's crazy. Our 10th episode <laughs> and our last one of the year. Of course, you know, this podcast uh succeeded the lovecraft country chronicles podcast that you were doing over at fansided which was awesome and it's crazy to think that one we're 10 episodes in and also that yeah. the year is finally over um it's been a blur hope everyone had a <laughs> a happy holiday and has a, a happy new year as well um but yeah good riddance <laughs> not even r.i.p just go to hell <laughs> screw this year <laughs> agreed agreed and i think you know as we're um, planning and talking about this episode, which for everyone listening, you can tell by the title, it's horror movies in 2020. Um, a major thing that I realized is that like my movie viewing experience, especially with horror movies was so different, not going to the movie theater, like watching a horror movie at home is not even close to the same as being in a theater. And I really freaking miss it. Yeah. I think the last horror movie I saw in theaters was Midsummer. If I'm remembering correctly, and for all the horror movies I watched this year, especially like Freaky, which is the last yeah. one uh, we reviewed for the podcast, and I think the last one I've watched most recently, just doesn't feel the same. Also, like I spent the entire time taking notes on my phone, <laughs> so I was like, "Man, I really miss the theaters." Mm-hmm. I watched Tenet, like I, I think I, we were talking about it. Um, yeah, and again, it's like a movie I wish I could could have seen in theaters for the first time. But hopefully, as you know, vaccines continue to get rolled out and we're in a, a relatively safe place for 2021, we can get back to movie theaters because I think it's at the top of my list of things I miss the most. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's like the thing that has like the least like possible negative consequences, I want to say like, oh, like I miss going to a bar or something. It's like, eh, I mean, that's not always the most fun or the most like successful tonight, but I miss going to the movie theater by myself on a Sunday afternoon. Always a good thing. Like nothing wrong with that. Just good old fashioned fun. And I, I really can't wait to get back into that whenever that is. Yeah. Nothing better and no shame at all in lone wolfing into the theaters. One of the best feelings. I haven't lone yeah. wolfed it in a long time. And the last <laughs> movie I lone wolfed was, I think, The Last Jedi. <laughs> which probably isn't a movie I should have lone wolfed it to. But, you know. I can't wait. Obviously, the theater business is struggling a lot uh, during the pandemic. So, hopefully, 2021 is uh, a swing in the right direction for, for the industry. Because 
like you said, we both miss it. Really want it back. And it's not the same, especially watching horror movies at home. Yeah. Yeah. Even, like, not just for your own experience of how you feel watching, but I even miss being in a crowded theater and everyone yelling at the screen. Even though it's so annoying, it is also, like, a guilty pleasure because it's fun. It's a community, and we need that again. Agreed. I think... I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but Midsummer was the last horror movie I saw in theaters. And in the middle of the beginning of the movie, some guy walked in and started yelling at another dude because he was (laughs) sitting in his seat. Because now, of course, all movie theaters are assigned seating, which is, you know, fine. It is Mm -hmm. what it is. Um, And as the movie's doing its cold opening, this guy's just like with his phone light on, (laughs) like flashing in his face. Hey, bud, you're in my seat. And everyone's like, dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> we're like, come on. Do you know what's going on right now? Like, I miss that. Like, I miss being able to be like, yo, man, screw that guy. Because <laughs> now yeah. none of that happens. And, like, I find myself talking more at home through a movie. Just yeah. Like, I, I can just sit there and not bother myself. Especially if, like, my girlfriend starts talking. My girlfriend starts talking. Then I can start talking. And then... You know, 10 minutes goes by and we're like, wait, what happened? And then you can rewind. Yeah. And even, like, I know it's bad to be on your phone during the movie at any time, like, no matter where you are. But, you know, we all do it when we're home. It's a thing that I can't escape. And when you go to the movie theater, you have to escape it. So that's another major plus to going to the theater because it's the, the full experience of, you know, your phone is on silent. It's in your pockets in your purse you don't look at it or else you're an asshole and should leave the theater so uh, simpler times simpler times hopefully times we're heading back to uh in the next year so yeah last episode 2020 obviously this is coming out on january 1 but we're recording it on december 30th so we're in the past right now and we'll, yeah. we'll be speaking to you guys in the future. Um, with 2020 <laughs> over, if we thought we'd do uh, our uh, recap of 2020 for horror movies, our favorite ones of the year, uh, ones that didn't do so well and were some stinkers. But, of course, we uh, also have to do our weekly horror news roundup. And a little bit of a slow news week in terms of horror movies. Yeah. But two big headlines in general. While it's not stories all over the place, these two stories caught my eye, caught your eye, and worth discussing so first off uh in the news of mike flanagan and the haunting series on netflix flanagan has come out and said that there are no plans currently for more seasons of the haunting on netflix so what do we think about this because hill house demanded a sequel and Mm -hmm. sequel was very polarizing in terms of reviews from critics fans alike and from us in particular (laughs) so do we think that's a response to how polarizing Bly Manor was? Or if it's just that Netflix wants to do other things, maybe Flanagan wants to do other things? I don't know. It's a good question because, you know, I think that Bly Manor got good enough reviews that it wasn't like, you know, crapped all over. It wasn't like a complete failure where you would need to like reassess your, you know, your plans for what you're creating next. So it's interesting. I was really surprised to see that he's not, that Mike Flanagan isn't planning on doing more seasons, um, especially on Netflix. People will eat it up. Like, I'm sure it will get the views. 
I'm wondering if it has to do with the fact that like he has Midnight Mass for Netflix coming out next year, so I doubt he would have two shows on Netflix around the same time of the same year. Um, and I'm sure he just wants to do other things after that and maybe come back to The Haunting. I don't know. Yeah, in this article for Entertainment Weekly, uh, Flanagan and Macy uh, were discussing, you know, if they were going to do more haunting, they wanted to do a story that kind of delved into what exactly is a ghost and what the mm-hmm. definition of a ghost is, um, which I guess you can really <laughs> write your own narrative for that. But I think the, as a whole, like the very strict definition of a ghost is pretty straightforward. You're a dead right. person and you're spooking up the place. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Flanagan had said, a ghost is an impact from the past on the present in every ghost story. That's all it really is, no matter how you dress it up. A ghost is simply an element of the past that refuses to live in the past and instead just encroaches upon the present and it alters the present. Well, I mean, that's the story of the lady in the lake as a whole. And I hated that story. I hated hated that story. So, yeah, maybe just like a year or two away from it and come up with something new is probably the best best course of action, in my opinion, because I don't want it getting stale and I didn't like Blood Manor. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And then he's also doing another show for Netflix, which I don't think it has a release date yet, but it's The Midnight Club. So I think he has, you know, a lot of Netflix things lined up and it's kind of like The Haunting, been there, done that. Maybe I'll come back to it once, you know, I do everything else that I want to do and take some risks. Yeah, so he's got Midnight Mass and a Midnight Club. Yeah. Wow, just midnight everywhere. (laughs) So. Now it's going to be the Midnight series instead of the Haunting series. Oh, man. Pro- probably. probably. Maybe not. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> as, as a whole, I'm, like, give me something new. I'm fine with this. Move in a different okay. direction. Let, let's get rid of the Haunting for now. Uh, yeah. And then the final piece of news, Steven Soderbergh, who everyone probably knows as the director of Contagion, a movie that probably everybody watched back in March. because they were <laughs> I like, did. I don't know what's going on here. Like, why are we going into lockdown? I, I, I remember our office specifically was like, nah, there's no way we go into lockdown. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, like, we went to school during swine flu. That didn't, like, nothing happened there. And then next thing you know, it's December and we haven't been outside in nine months. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Steven Soderbergh has more or less kind of confirmed that there's a philosophical sequel to the Contagion uh, movie in the works. And... We talked about this, uh, I think, on the podcast, but also privately, about that movie Songbird that was coming yeah. out about a pandemic with KJ Apa from Riverdale fame uh, and, and Michael Bay. And we were both like, man, yeah. bad taste, <laughs> wrong timing. Just read the room, bro. Like, we probably don't need this. And I, I think we, we read a review together that was like, this movie isn't bad as you think it is. It's worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just for me... Uh, Contagion, which came out previously to the the whole COVID-19 pandemic, Contagion is a spooky movie, and that movie gets under your skin and, and, you know, gets your skin crawling. And a sequel, and, and like, I don't want to be a hypocrite because, like, Steven Soderbergh is a great director, Contagion's a great movie, and there is a sequel coming. Like, I would want to see a sequel to it, but also I can't be a hypocrite to myself and be like, you know, we can't do a co- we can't do a pandemic movie right now going on. So maybe like, how do I work around this? Do a good pandemic movie 
But yeah. also, like, maybe once the vaccines are all out and we're all out in the theater. Yeah. I have no idea what this is going to be, like, a philosophical sequel is what he said. Like, what does that even mean? So I'm assuming, like, it'll be a loose sequel. So maybe it will be, like, after people are cured and then how, you know, people go on with life from, you know, a huge pandemic happening. Obviously, in Contagion, it was extremely, extremely contagious. And it was the type of thing where if you got it, you died right away. So fortunately, that's not what COVID is. So there is, you know, some differences there already. This really is more of a horror um, type of movie where, you know, everyone just dies right away. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's even like with the stand coming out now, it's like, it's not the time, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard. It has to be done well. And, you know, uh, Soderbergh is a great director, so it, it might be, but this is very interesting. Yeah. Especially cause like, as more and more strains come out with COVID and stuff like that, like how badly do you have to make your virus in a movie to make right. it seem convincing or not like, or just at least convince enough people to go out and see it, right? Like, The Stand is nowhere, cl- like, obviously The Stand's a story that was written years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the COVID-19 pandemic isn't the first pandemic ever in the world. But right. um, when I watched the pilot, I wasn't like, oh, man, this is, you know, so on point with what's going on in the world. Like, Captain Trips is very much like it's going to wipe out the entire world that's it it's it feels very yeah. zombie like to me like it feels like yeah. a zombie virus but there are no zombies roaming the world there's just mm-hmm. a guy named randall um and with contagion uh it delve into like you know the human relationships and what goes on when a virus like that takes over the world and and people yeah. are dying all over the place and it's terrible and i wonder like what direction they would want to go with the sequel to it because like i haven't seen the movie in a while but if i remember correctly it ended with like it wasn't like herd immunity that like ended up saving the world but like weren't like birds immune to it or something like some people were immune i can't remember exactly how it ended i know matt damon was in it (laughs) i actually don't remember because i started watching this movie in the beginning of covid and i turned it off because i was like i cannot watch this right now this is far too much um so i haven't made it to the end of the movie since it came out in 2011 yeah okay so right it it was it was kind of uh loosely based on uh the sars outbreak from 2002 and 2004 and the 2009 Mm -hmm. uh, flu pandemic uh, that affected the world, but you know, both of those pandemics, I don't want to say pale in comparison, but they're different to what's going on now in the world with, with lockdowns and yeah. uh, mask wearing and everything like that. And uh, in the the People article that we both checked out, uh, you know, Soderbergh had talked a lot with the CDC in terms of like how to portray a virus like this and may mm-hmm. come off convincing and not so far-fetched in, in fiction uh which which again the movie is super real like i do appreciate how real it feels um, yeah i just i can't uh, i remember that like the ending showed how the virus started which was like some crazy way which is awesome because like that's what i liked about the pilot of the stand like i liked the whole like how did we get to this point in the mm-hmm. same way that uh we did in contagion and 
I'm trying. I can't remember. I, I I believe there's a vaccine that comes out of the movie. I gotta watch the movie again because the movie has a stellar <laughs> cast as well, like Marion Cotillard, uh, the Damon. Uh, I can't watch it now. I'll watch it in like two years, maybe. Is it gonna freak you out? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, who else is in it? I mean, Brian Cranston is in it. He's the man who knocks. Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Winslet, Morpheus. Like, what a stacked lineup of of actors and actresses. Yeah, I gotta give this movie yeah. a rewatch. Because, I don't know. I, I wonder why... I, 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 we're getting so off topic with this movie. Cause, but, like, a sequel as a whole. Good, bad? <laughs> how do we feel? Yeah, I think it's somewhere in the middle for me. I think, like, you know, it's not like he's saying it's gonna be a direct sequel, you know, following the virus again or following a different virus. So I feel like, you know, if it's in good taste and it's something that's a loose sequel then it'll be okay and i'll i'll be interested same so like what like six months seven months until you feel like you can watch that movie again (laughs) maybe it's so funny because i just when i looked up contagion the new york times article came up that headline for me re-watching contagion was fun until it wasn't and that was literally me in march i was like all right let's do it and then like halfway through i was like I don't need this right now. I'm going to forget about this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. We got the stand. We're both enjoying the stand, so. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's... since the stand is more fictional than Contagion, yeah. uh, we, we can stomach that one. But, yeah, so who knows? Who knows what a, what a quote-unquote philosophical sequel means to a, a movie based on a pandemic. But, uh, yeah, that's the, the weekly horror news roundup. That's what kind of brings us out of 2020. The news that while maybe COVID is, is starting to come down and vaccines will be rolled out next year, Hollywood is not ready to let that idea die. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you know, like, once, like, vaccines are, you know, normalized and a lot of people, like, you know, like, most people can get them, they're going to start right away with all different types of pandemic movies and some of them, I'm sure, will be all right, and some of them will be in such poor taste. And I'm sure there will be more than 10 movies about COVID in some way, shape, or form. Oh, 100%. We're going to get some like some B-movies on Netflix, too. They're going to be yeah. like, COVID 2021, what happens? <laughs> or like, uh, like some movie where the vaccine turns everybody into like something. A dinosaur. A dinosaur. There you go. That's not something I was gonna say, but that maybe that's how we can get Jurassic World three. We can we can do the COVID nineteen vaccine turns people into dinosaurs. <laughs> um, no, I was thinking more like Rage Virus from uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Some, that's an easy one to do. Yeah, something that just turned, or, or like you said, dinosaurs. <laughs> Like a really bad B movie where like that just happens and everyone's like, oh my god. I mean, dinosaurs. Is that worse than Sharknado? Like a tornado of sharks? I don't know. It's a good question. It might be worse. Just like turning into a dinosaur. Yeah, COVID dinosaurs. <laughs> oh man, please nobody make that movie. Or if you do, pay us royalties because we just came up with it here on yeah. the show. <laughs> uh, so yeah, can't wait for for whatever Hollywood has to cook up there. And maybe we should watch Songbird for an episode. Maybe we should just power through it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious to know just how bad it is. Like, it looks bad, but 
If it was, if it wasn't expensive, I would do it. Yeah, agreed. Let's like, let's bring it down to like four ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. Or free ninety nine. I like free ninety nine a lot. Yeah, me too. I'm sure in like a month or two it'll be on like HBO Max or like Hulu or something. Maybe not Netflix, but it'll be somewhere. Somewhere for sure. Uh, so yeah, that. Uh, that leads us into our topic for the episode, which is our favorite horror movies of the year and our least favorite ones as well. And also some movies to look forward to in 2021 because all the movies that we were excited for this year were mostly delayed to next year. And mm-hmm. there are some big releases coming out uh, for some major franchises, some reboots, some sequels, some reboot quills like we've talked about on the show before. Um, so, yeah, do you want to get into our favorite horror movies of the year? Yeah, I think we can start off with one that we've talked about on the podcast two million times. I swear this will be maybe the last time we talk about it because 2020 is over and it did come out in 2020. Um, But before we get into that, we're going to take our first quick break and we'll be right back. All right, so I think our first one on our list, and it's probably my favorite on the list, maybe yours too, I'm not sure, is The Invisible Man talked about it so many times but it's just such a great movie it is a remake um but this one is you know made for modern times it stars elizabeth moss who is a badass so good and our other fave well not saying she's our fave but our fave on this podcast is oliver jackson cohen from haunting of Bly manor haunting of hill house um just a really great actor he's good at playing a bad guy and that's what he does in the invisible man I saw this movie in theaters, and it was a great experience. Yeah, I'm jealous that you got to see this one in theaters, and I had to wait until it came out on HBO Max to to give it a watch, (laughs) because I loved this movie. It might be my favorite movie of the year, outside of a movie that could have gone on this list, but it doesn't really fit into the straight horror genre, uh, which is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, uh, yeah. From Charlie Kaufman, which came out on Netflix. I loved that movie as well, Um, but... I think, really thinking about it, Invisible Man probably fits into both those categories of my favorite horror movie of the year, my favorite overall movie of the year. This movie updates uh, the Invisible Man story for modern times, uh, directed by Lee Whannell, who everyone will know from the Saw franchise, and also from another favorite movie of mine, which is Upgrade, um, also very high-tech movie. This movie does, I think, what a lot of movies fail to do sometimes, which is tell a compelling story about social issues going on in the times by making it very believable, by making it very um, digestible and understandable to what's going on. And it it targets like gaslighting, uh, domestic abuse, uh, toxic relationships. And Elizabeth Moss is so good in this. And she sells the hell out of being attacked by someone who's not even there. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, really, really great acting because, you know, I I can't. It's so funny to watch because you're on the edge of your seat the whole time and you don't know because it's an invisible man. You don't know if there's actually someone there or not. So that alone, you're just, you have to be into the movie the whole time or else, I don't know, what's wrong with you? Yeah, like... The movie wasn't super scary. It wasn't like no. The Conjuring or like a movie like riddled with jump scares or anything like that. Um, 
something like Insidious or something along those lines. It was very much uh, predicated on suspense and like, is something there? Is something not there? And I think I liked that a lot about the movie because, excuse me, when the movie does still shots on just a blank space, whether it's in a bedroom or a hallway or whatever, and you're like, is something there? Like that made me like in, like in my bedroom, like go up to the close to the TV and yeah. be like, is something there? I can't tell. And like <laughs> the last thing I wanted to do was do that and then see a giant monster like pop out from behind the door and be like, hi. And I'd be like, okay, never doing that again. Um, like the the one big jump scare. Quick spoiler alert. Like we're gonna do some spoilers because these movies have been out for pretty much a year now, and it's our favorite yeah. movies of the year. Uh, when she dumps the paint can on him and reveals the suit. Yeah. That was like the only real big jump scare that I kind of took away from the movie. And it was right. awesome. Like great reveal. And it showcases like what Elizabeth Moss is really dealing with in this movie and what she's up against and, and the tall task of, of trying to convince people that there's an invisible man stalking her and terrorizing her life. Because how are you supposed to believe her that some man created an invisible suit? Yeah, it is like the ultimate paranoia and that, you know, that happens most times with movies when it's a ghost or, you know, someone's stalking you, the person is not believed and they're like, you're just paranoid, you need to see a doctor or something. Um, that is a theme that is, you know, really, I wouldn't say overdone, but it, it's a common theme. But this one does it so well and you're just getting so angry for her because you've been with her this entire time and you know everything she's saying is the truth and this invisible man really does her so dirty without saying any other spoilers. Yeah. No, I'm going to go full spoilers. I don't care. Spoiler <laughs> warning, alert, alarm right now. Because, um, like, there are things I have to talk about, like the the plot points the movie hits on when she goes out to dinner with her sister Yes, that's, that's what I was thinking. Oh, of. yeah. No, that scene is so startling, and it's done so well that, like, my jaw dropped when that happened. I was like, oh, like, how far was this invisible man really going to go? Because you never really knew up until this point in the movie. You just knew that she had a, an abusive boyfriend who was terrorizing her, and she escaped in the beginning of the movie, and, and that was the end of it. And, you know, he's following her around now. And you don't know if he's, like, got ideas of, like, torturing her for the rest of his life. You don't really know what's going on until he does that to his sister, which is pick up a, uh, a giant knife and slit her throat in the middle of a restaurant. And like the ultimate, like what the F moment in a movie for me that of this year was so good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a game changer for the rest of the movie. It was like, Oh, he did that. Okay. Like we're not playing around anymore. He's not just trying to make her look, you know, like scared. He's sending her to jail. Yeah, it's like you get you get the creepy aspect of like of stalking her around while she's at her friend's house uh, living there after she she runs away from from there. Honestly, the house is gorgeous. Like that's a I super know. sick house. I was like, Yo, I want to live I there. I love it. That house was so cool. Um, yeah. And then so she's getting like followed around and and stalked a bit. Uh, uh, and there's a, a bit of fighting in the in her friend's house. Uh, the officer I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but goes from that to him like screwing up a job interview for her and like mm -hmm. that's like two levels of like like okay that's a, that's a toxic relationship got to get out of that and 
I don't know, how are we going to prove that this happens? And then we jump 10 gears to murdering your sister in front of her in a restaurant. And I was like, holy shit, that's wild. Yeah. So we, now we find out how sadistic the man really is. And then from there, I think, like, my favorite, like, while that was my favorite, like, moment from the movie, my favorite scene from the movie is when he's just taking out all these security officers at the mental hospital she gets placed yeah. in. Because, you mm-hmm. know, everyone thinks she just slit her sister's throat in public and no one's paying attention. Right. Um, and saw just a floating knife <laughs> roaming around. Um, and he, he, you get this crazy, uh, this crazy scene that Lee Winnell does with the, with the camera, um, similar to Upgrade, with the way the camera moves and, and depicts oh, all gotcha. the action. Uh, he's just, you know, taking out officers, like shooting them in the knee, just like st- just taking out a complete army of of security officers in this mental hospital was just like that made him feel like the ultimate villain like you've built him to be this ultimate villain how do we get out of this now and the payoff is awesome the payoff is just at the end of the movie i won't spoil that at <laughs> least the the payoff makes you walk away from the movie feeling very satisfied uh and yeah awesome movie yeah, I agree. Can't really say enough good things about this one in 2020. A must-watch, so everyone, go watch it. It's on HBO Max. Um, and then the next one I have talked about multiple times, again, on this podcast, so I'll leave it pretty short. Um, it's The Lodge. This one, I had to double-check if it really came out in 2020 because 2020 has been the longest year of my life, and it really seems like I watched this, like, five years ago. Um So, yeah, it came out in, I think, February of 2020, and this was a really, really creepy movie. I I watched it in the theaters, too, and I left the theater just feeling so uneasy and creeped out. You know, it wasn't necessarily scary, scary, but it was creepy. So it's about a woman who is dating this man with two kids, and they're now engaged, and the kids don't really like her. And, of course, it's one of those movies where it's like, the kids don't like you. Well, guess what? We're going on a family vacation. So you have to spend every day with them. And the kids, obviously, are pissed. And the woman is also scared and mad. Um, So they go to this lodge, hence the title. And um, the, the man, the father, isn't with them yet. So it's only the woman who is Riley Keogh. She's great, really great in this movie. And she's taking care of the two kids. And at first, really, really creepy stuff starts happening. And then there's a twist, which I won't spoil because you might not see it coming. Um, And basically, all three of these people are effed and need to try to figure out a way to leave. And it's, it's really good. And it's on Hulu. So people should watch it. Yeah, this is one... I need to see the next one on the list is something I also need to see because you highly rated them. Um, I, I also feel like uh, I was in the same boat as you with this movie because I remember my girlfriend went to go see it with her friend and she really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. for some reason, this movie just screams to me that it got a limited release in December of 2019 and got a wide release in February. I don't know why. And it might not be true, but just something in my head, if I had to answer a trivia question at bar night, would be like, what movie <laughs> had an early release in December 2019 and then got a wide release? I'd be like, The Lodge. Yeah, obviously. For some, There's just something in my brain that's screaming. That's right. Um, yeah. But yeah. I know it, 
It originally came out in 2019, but in Russia. So, ah. you know, we're not there. So, ah, happened. I was in. <laughs> haven't been to. I was in Russia in, in in Moscow in 2018, and that was wild. So maybe I should have been there when when the lodge was out. I would have seen it there. But now I have to watch it on Hulu. You said, right? Yeah, yeah, it's on Hulu. All right, cool. I will check it out on Hulu. Uh, and this next one as well, which is one you just recently watched. Uh, which I've been waiting to to check out, is Possessor. Yeah, I like this movie. So when, yeah, we were just talking about this, I think, last week that we had heard of it um, after we recorded the podcast. And I was like, all right, let's see what this is about. The poster is really creepy. It shows this woman kind of like having her skin yanked off. Um, so right away, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this movie. Um, so this one was really, really interesting. It's about this woman who is, I won't give any spoilers for you, Max, or for people listening, but yeah. it's about this woman who is an assassin. It's like in a futuristic type world where this is a thing, a company that exists, where she's an assassin, but she has to take on other people's bodies to kill yeah. the, to kill the people. Um, and it's really interesting. I would say it's not the one of the best movies I've seen or one of the best horror movies I've seen, but I was definitely um, really, really entertained from the beginning to the end. I was drawn in right from the beginning. Um, and it, it's really interesting because they show the woman's struggle with having to literally kill all these people over and over again in somebody else's body. Like, that's obviously not an easy thing to do on your emotions. Um, so it was really, really captivating. I thought it was really good. Um, it's directed by Brandon Cronenberg, who is the son of uh, David Cronenberg. And it stars Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott. I like, I like both of them a lot. I really like Christopher Abbott. Um, and also Sean Bean and Jennifer Jason Lee make appearances as well. So it's a pretty stacked cast and they do a good job. It's definitely a different movie. Like you won't expect what what's coming. And I wish I could have seen it in a theater. This movie, when it was done, I was like, damn, that would have been such a good theater movie. There's a lot of good action. Yeah, I will check it out. And the fact that Sean Bean is in it, I can only imagine <laughs> that he gets some kind of crazy death. Because that's all we do with Sean Bean movies is we kill yep. Um, for if you guys, anyone listening who hasn't seen all of the YouTube montages of Sean Bean just dying in movies over and over again, go check it out. It's a quality. Ned Stark. Yeah, Ned Stark, uh, Golden Eye, Equilibrium. Just the the list of movies goes on and on and on with Sean Bean just dying off at some point. So I will check out Possessor. Uh, Possessor. However, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was in The Hateful Eight. Um, yeah, she was great in that movie. I don't like that Tarantino movie, but it is what yeah, it is. I know. I know she was the best part about that movie. She was such a strong uh, lead in that movie, but I didn't like it either. She was also in Good Time. She's in a lot of movies, but a movie I saw recently, uh, Good Time with Robert Pattinson. She's in that too. So I'm a fan. She's good at playing someone that's a little unhinged. Un oh, definitely unhinged in <laughs> The Hateful Eight. Uh, her, yeah. and, her and Sam Jackson are fantastic together when they're on screen um, with Kurt Russell. Uh, so yeah, Possessor, I will check it out. Um, the next one is also actually one I haven't seen, which is Host. And this movie's been getting a lot of hype around it. Yeah, so I kind of want to say it's a little overrated because it's getting so much hype. Like, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
I would give it like an eight out of 10, but I still enjoyed it because this is, it's a found footage movie. It's pretty similar to unfriended, but it's made a little bit different and you know, there's better like dialogue. It's not high school kids. Um, and so it's supposed to take place during COVID when everyone is, you know, on zoom playing their drinking games or hanging out with their friends via zoom on the weekend. Um, because you obviously can't go out. We're on quarantine. So right off the bat, I was like, oh, God, this is a stupid quarantine movie. Like, what is this? But then it was getting good reviews. It was on Shudder. So I was like, all right, let's just watch it. Um, and it was it was pretty good. Like, it was pretty creative. And I thought they did a really good job. It was, like I said, similar to Unfriended, but I think a better version. So it's basically about a group of girlfriends who decides to hire a woman to come lead a seance for them over zoom right off the bat i was like why the hell would they do that and then i was like also that sounds kind of fun like why not it's quarantine you're bored let's just you know call some ghosts in um and yeah it's a pretty good movie i would recommend it and it's really short it's like an hour long yeah why not call some ghosts in <laughs> just phone up some ghosts like, why wasn't that a lifeline on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back in the day? Phone a ghost. They're dead. They probably know everything. Yeah. Well, I know I'm a fan of Unfriended. I'm a fan of this type of found horror, where found footage horror, where it's, like, you know, on the computer type thing, because it's really interesting. Like, the idea of watching somebody through a computer screen and them, you know, being terrorized or being killed, you can't help them. So for some reason, that really creeps me out. And especially during quarantine when, you know, I was doing Zoom every weekend with my friends, um, imagining that kind of thing is not something I want to think about. So this was really entertaining, I would say. Yeah, I would give this one a watch. Unfriended is fun. Unfriended's a good time. The sequel, yeah. The sequel, not so much. I could do without the sequel because it just start to really run thin of ideas of what to do with a, a Skype spooky ghost. Um, but yeah, host, it's like you said, Shudder. A short runtime. It's easy to just go through it real quick yeah. and, and give it a watch. And I'll try to deal with the amount of jump scares that are probably in this movie. <laughs> yep, always, always with these kinds of movies. Yeah. If how else are you gonna scare people? Like you're not gonna convince them that a Zoom call is haunted. So you gotta scare <laughs> them with the jump scares. Um, and then the last one on our list uh, of our, I guess our five favorite ones of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. One we just reviewed for the podcast which is Freaky, um, a movie from Blumhouse uh, that stars Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn uh, in a fun take on Freaky Friday, the slasher genre in horror. Um, and basically, Catherine Newton plays Millie, uh, a bit of an outcast at school, uh, and she's juxtaposed by Vince Vaughn, who plays the Blissfield Butcher. And... <laughs> The movie is just a great time. Uh, it's so much fun. It's just lighthearted horror, which is always a good time. Uh, does The movie doesn't take itself too seriously, uh, which is important for a movie like this. Like, you, you got to be goofy at some point. You got to have relative humor to what's going mm -hmm. on. Um, especially, like, I enjoyed, like, the humor with, like, what... Uh, what Millie's pronouns are when she's in the Blissfield yeah. body. Like I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> Vince Vaughn is fantastic in this movie. He is so good in this movie. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, I really, I liked Freaky. It was one of those that, like, you know what it is going into it. It's not going to be terribly scary, and it's not going to be super serious, you know? Like, you're supposed to have fun with it, and I think this one would have been so fun in the movie theater, just as, you know, Happy Death Day was. Yeah, because it has that level of gore that, like, will excite the the hardcore horror fans. Yeah. And it's not, you're not also going to, like, piss off your hardcore horror fans with how much the movie doesn't take itself seriously. It's just a, a good time on that part. Um, and Christopher Landon uh, really just knows how to make these movies. Like, yeah, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You uh, are some of my most recent uh, or some of my most favorite horror movies that came out in the last decade. Um, and, you know, building off of the success of the Paranormal Activity movies, which he did because he wrote two, three, and four uh, while producing four as well um two and three my favorite in the franchise Mm -hmm. this man is just continues to to make hits and like you said i wish this movie was a movie i could have seen in theaters because it would have been a good time like you just pay the money for the ticket get your popcorn soda whatever whatever you want and just sit there for the the runtime and enjoy it and walk out and be like that was like that was fun i enjoyed that Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. At this point, yeah, Christopher Landon, if he makes a movie, I'll watch it. And, you know, even if I don't think it looks that great, it'll probably be entertaining. And I think he is on a roll right now. So, you know, I'll, I'll be optimistic about the next the next thing he does. Yeah, maybe a happy death day to you and freaky crossover. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for that. Um, and then I have just some notable honorable mentions I guess I'll say some that I watched that were you know decent um but weren't amazing um the last movie I saw in theaters before quarantine was Swallow and this movie has a really interesting premise um it stars Haley Bennett and she's this woman who gets married to kind of a wealthier guy and she's like a stay at well, she's just a housewife because they don't have a kid yet, but she is a housewife and she's kind of like, he takes advantage of her um, and she just seems like she hates her life and she's just miserable and she's just putting on this front of being like the perfect wife and everything. And then she starts, because she's home alone all day while the husband's at work, she starts just swallowing objects in her house and it gets to the point where, like, she she goes to the doctor, like, she's not okay, um, or she goes to the hospital, and she eventually has a baby and everything, so, you know, her life is going down this road of, like, she's going to have to be this housewife forever unless she gets out of this relationship, and it turned out to be decent, but it was more of a drama, and it was pretty sad. I don't think it was a horror movie, and they kind of marketed it and the trailer and everything they marketed it to seem like a horror movie but it it was more of just kind of sad so uh, that's an honorable mention because I enjoyed watching it but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be which is fine but wasn't really a horror movie so you know yeah I was talking about this movie with a friend recently and I saw the poster for it because she's just holding a like a tack in her hand and I was like he just told me the premise, which you basically just described. Is she just starts swallowing things, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay." And I was like, maybe I'll watch this movie. It seems very interesting, but the way you described it seems like it's very sad. So I'll have to yeah set my mind was, to something else. 
Yeah, it was sad. I don't know if I would really say, like, if you're a horror fan, you must watch this movie or anything like that. Um, it was an interesting premise. I was hooked from the trailer. It looked spooky. So I was like, all right, let's try it. Um, but I felt just so bad for this woman. Um, and you get a little bit more of her backstory and stuff like that. So it was, it was kind of depressing, but it was decent. Um, another honorable mention is a movie I watched recently. It's called Relic. Um this is an Australian horror movie. It stars Emily Mortimer. Um, so she, she's a woman who her mom goes missing. They live just they live in Australia, but just in different towns. Her mom goes missing. So her and her daughter go to the mom's house, so the grandma's house, to go find her. And basically, the grandma returns after a few days and is like, "What happened? Like, n- nothing's ha- nothing's happening. I'm fine." And automatically, you're like, no, you're freaking creepy. What the hell just happened? I had kind of like hereditary vibes from it just because it's like a a mom who is doing some creepy-ish and her family's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, But it wasn't as strong as hereditary. It had a good ending and it was kind of a slow burn. Um, But, you know, it kind of just kept the creepy factor throughout the whole movie, and that was kind of it. So it was decent, but I wouldn't say it was one of the best of 2020. I think it's definitely saved for an honorable mention. Yeah, and then one I want to put on the honorable mention list as well is, uh, well, two really. Uh, The Platform, uh, a Netflix movie that dropped a a Spanish horror movie. Um, If you can really even call it a horror movie, it's more... Yeah, it was like a psychological... Yeah, it was more suspense, psychological thriller, very much along those lines of, um, there was, what, what is it similar to? I, I'm forgetting the the similar source material. I don't uh, know. Uh, oh, it's, it's escaping my mind. But, you know, uh, this guy goes into a, basically a prison um, as part of a, like a social experiment. Mm-hmm. Right, he's he does he hasn't done anything wrong. He just wants to go there and he and experience what's going on. Uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, I haven't seen it in a while. But you know, the whole thing is like there's there's this high tech prison that has a ton of floors, and there's a platform that goes up and down all the floors and has food on it. And every day, you know, you learn more about what goes on on the platforms and you know, I guess bunking with somebody or platforming with somebody i don't know what you would call it um (laughs) and you know it's like the top it's really like a a take on like social hierarchies in the world and right and and Mm -hmm. wealth and and poverty and stuff like that and obviously all the people at the first floor uh, when they first get all the food have all the riches in the world they get everything fresh right out of the kitchen and then as it goes down and down and down and down and you get to the bottom there's no food left, and what do you got to do? You got to eat your buddy. <laughs> it's that movie was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. Um, yeah. But the other one, which I actually kind of enjoyed, was a zombie movie, uh, Alive, uh, which is a Korean horror movie, um, basically about a, a vlogger who gets stuck in his apartment complex during a zombie outbreak, and you know, I'm a sucker for zombie movies as long as <laughs> as long as the movie's done well. I'll enjoy it because I, I love zombie horror. Um, and I thought this movie was a good time. Interesting. I saw this is on Netflix, right? Yeah. I saw it like the preview for it and I was like, eh, I'll come back to it and then never watched it. So I'll watch it now that you're, you're co-signing it. Yeah. It's like, it's not as good as something as like Train to Busan or something like that. 
because like mm-hmm. Train to Busan's like in its own level of, of zombie horror. Um, but it's a fine watch. It's not anything egregious. It doesn't like it doesn't bore you to death, and it doesn't also like confuse you. Um, so I like that one as well. But there were some duds. There were some big duds. Number one, The Grudge, the the dud. <laughs> yeah, movies. Oh God, what are we? Doing? Yeah. This one was just so unbelievably bad, Um, but let's take our final break, and then we can get into just how bad this movie is. I'll regroup. I'll regroup. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. Okay. So, The Grudge. Um, We've talked about about the reboots, the sidequels, the whatever all these are, and we talked about this movie a little bit just because... This is a prime example of just a reboot gone wrong or whatever. It, this one is a side quill. So a side quill gone wrong. Whatever it is, the remake, whatever term you want to use, this one was really bad and it just didn't need to be made. It was a waste of money and it was a waste of a watch. Yeah. like When the trailer first came out, <laughs> a franchise that hadn't been touched in a while, also like the original is like, uh, I, I would say for a lot of people an all-time favorite, mm-hmm. uh, especially in our like generation, because of yeah. uh, just being alive during the the influx of J horror remakes uh, in American cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. I mean, the movie was spoofed as like the main part of Scary Movie Three. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a big release. Um, and when this trailer came out, like Sam Raimi, John Cho, The Grudge, why not? Let's just not screw it up. That's all you gotta do. Don't screw it up. And they screwed it up. It's just boring. It doesn't. Uh, I don't. It say, just doesn't. It doesn't work. I guess yeah. Is a way to, to to describe it. It doesn't bring anything new or interesting. It really is boring, and it's like the dialogue is awkward. I just I saw this one in theaters. Sadly. And, yeah, I wish I didn't watch it. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it stinks because the, this movie had a lot of hype. Like, again, Sam Raimi, legendary, um, was hoping for more out of this one because, again, The Grudge is a uh, a great franchise with a lot of potential, and, and this just wasn't it. So, you know what that means. They're probably going to remake it in two years. <laughs> I know, right? Probably. They're just going to forget this one happened and then attach like a bigger star to it, the next one, and just be like, all right, here we are again. What, um, what if they remade it with Cal Penn? So then you have uh, The Grudge <laughs> with Harold and you'd have The Grudge with <laughs> You know, I would watch it. Whatever. Um, and then the next one that I also watched recently because it's on HBO Max and, you know, I just can't. I can't say no to any horror movie if it's free streaming and has, you know, a, a talented person leading it underwater with Kristen Stewart. Absolutely garbage. Like, oh, no. I, I barely made it through the end. Like, it was just so stupid. It was basically just every sci-fi movie before this, like Alien, and nothing new, and it was just... It was not good. It was so unoriginal and boring, and I had a really hard time, like even watch, like paying attention at all. And I love Kristen Stewart. I'm sorry, we both love her, but it's not worth the watch. Yeah. Did you get like, um, what was that movie that came out last year? 
Maybe we were both talking. Uh, crawl? Did you get any, like, crawl vibes from it? Oh, no, not exactly, because this one, like, they're actually in, like, a whole, like, they're in, like, a facility to be underwater and everything like that, whereas, like, they're below the ocean and everything, gotcha. whereas crawl, crawl is literally just, like, there's a tsunami, and now we have to crawl through the basement. <laughs> <laughs> and there's and I, a giant alligator. <laughs> yeah, I watched that movie in 2020, and I really hope that it came out in 2020 so we could talk about it, but it, it did not. It was, it was like 2018 or something. Yeah, same for me with Ready or Not, because <laughs> I watched Ready or Not this year, and obviously it came out last year, but that movie is amazing, and I wish you could have made this list, because we talked about it before in the podcast. But sadly yeah. not. It is from last year. Um, some other releases. One BR with with the with the Saoirse Ronan, right? Wasn't Saoirse Ronan the one? No. Who was it? I don't, I don't know which movie you're thinking about. This oh is... no! It's it, I. I've seen the the poster for it. It. The... Wait. This one, the main character is Nicole Bryden Bloom. I don't know if she's really been in anything. This is like a oh. super low, low budget film on Netflix. Okay, so hold on. I haven't seen this movie. I've only seen this... the poster, which is of this girl standing outside this motel. And yeah. I was like, I always scroll past on Netflix, and I'm like, oh, that's Sir Sharonin. I'll just keep moving on. <laughs> I thought it was Sir Sharonin. It's not? No, it's Nicole Bryden Bloom, who oh. has been in uh, like three movies, I think. Shout out to her. A good, but, bad? Have you seen it? Yeah. Wait, have I seen one BR? Yeah. yeah, it was It was just bad. I didn't like it at all. Oh, no. It was really, it was really bad. Like, I think the premise could have been better if they did it. If they did it better, the premise would have been fine. But it was just so unbelievable and like corny. That it was just a flop. I don't know why I watched it. It was just again free free movie. That's horror. I was bored one day and watched it. Um, so basically, this woman lives to Los Angeles. She wants to be a star, whatever, and she moves into a one bedroom apartment, one br, hence the title. And basically, the apartment complex is like this community that wants to be really close with you, and they like have activities and all hang out. So she feels welcome. But then it turns into like this cult and they want to just have like a perfect community and they don't let people in without like being tortured and doing all these things. So like not a bad premise, but the way they went about it was just so stupid. It was just a typical, you know, low budget movie. And I'm, I'm sorry to this film. I'm sure it tried, but I cannot <laughs> say anything good about it. You tried. The, the only other movie I think I, I want to see, which I haven't seen yet, and it could have made the list if we did watch it, uh, is uh, the Janelle Monet film, Antebellum. Yeah, I wanted to watch that, but I don't think it got good reviews. That's not why I didn't watch it, but I think that that was also the case. Yeah, it was a movie that was slated to come out this year, but obviously was put on demand like so many other movies uh, with the pandemic. I want to give that one a watch. Maybe we'll review that one for the podcast. I know. I also really want to watch it. I love Janelle Monet. So even if it has bad reviews, I'll still watch it just because. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are our favorite horror movies of the year. Um, Invisible Man, number one. The Lodge, Possessor, Host, and Freaky. Uh, it was, wasn't was like the most popular year for horror movies, but there was also a lot of movies that ended up getting delayed 
with the pandemic. Yeah. On and people wanted to, the studios wanted to wait for movies to get released. Um, so looking ahead to 2021 now, because there are some big name movies that are coming out. Um, first off, A Quiet Place Part 2, a movie that I thought came out. It was like, it was out and everyone saw it and that was the end of it. Uh, but it, it was supposed to come out in May of 2020, never did, obviously. Uh, I'll say it again, the pandemic. Right. <laughs> I, I hate to like, hey, guys, don't you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, this movie didn't come out. Did you remember? You might have forgotten. Yeah. But we're... <laughs> Just in case you guys remembered or forgot. Um, yeah, Quiet Place Part 2, um, a sequel to a movie you don't like. <laughs> yeah, but I want to see this one. Okay. It looks good. Oh, okay. This looks good. <laughs> um, maybe it'll be like a Terminator case where term- it ends up being A Quiet Place Part 2 Judgment Day. It's just way better than <laughs> the first one. Um, this other one, uh, also slated to come out in April. I don't know if I said that. Quiet Place Part 2 now coming out in April 2021 um, is Last Night in Soho, um, which is coming out starring uh, an actress who has completely taken over the mainstream uh, which is Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, yeah. And it's directed by Edgar Wright, who is one of my favorite directors. Uh, everyone will know him from the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy uh, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is my all-time favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Putting that out there. Um, Baby Driver. Could have been better. Yeah. Could've I agree. <laughs> we can just erase that one from his resume. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Baby Driver. Um, but this movie looks really interesting because, like I said, love Edgar Wright. Anya Taylor-Joy is on a massive rise to the top right now. Uh, yeah. And this movie, simply as the premise is described on Wikipedia, I'll read, you guys, read it for you guys. Um, a young girl who is passionate about fashion design mysteriously enters the 1960s, where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. So, what does this movie mean? I don't know. Will it be better than Velvet Buzzsaw? Velvet Buzzsaw? Probably. Because <laughs> that movie sucks. I didn't see that one. I saw the reviews and I was like, nah, I'll pass. I'll oh, pass. man, Sorry. that movie stinks. That movie also um, But this one looks good. I'm interested. I'm excited to see the trailer and really get a feel for what it's all about. But, you know, Edgar Wright, we, we do um, have faith in him and Anya Taylor-Joy. The best. The absolute best. Yeah. I want to play her in chess. <laughs> I don't. I would lose. <laughs> um, the next one, side quill, reboot quill, um, <laughs> is Spiral, uh, which is in May of 2021. Um, being done by Chris Rock and, and Sam Jackson's in it as well. A Another take on the Saw universe and what we're doing here with, with Jigsaw <laughs> and and Billy the Puppet, and putting people in these disgusting traps and ripping their arms and legs off, or cutting them open and spraying their intestines everywhere. I hate this franchise, so I, 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 my, my uh, expectations for this movie are very timid. Yeah, this is a movie that I will see, but I won't be that excited about it. It'll just be like, oh, all right, like a story I know. Sure, let's see, let's see what it is, but I will have no expectations at all. Same. Uh, the next one coming out in June. Uh, so April, May, and June are going to be hot for horror. 
Hot H A W T for horror um, is a movie that a movie that just has way too long of a title. Uh, which I is know The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> yeah, so this is the third Conjuring, but it's like the millionth in the Conjuring universe. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I'm gonna watch it. It's also gonna be on HBO Max. So you know, there you go, free movie if you have HBO Max. Um, and the devil made me do it. I'm not sure if I really like that title. It's very long when you have to say The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. But I mean, I'll watch it. I really love Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, who are the leads of this franchise. Um, so I didn't love the second one. I thought the first one was good. But again, I'll watch it. Why not? Low expectations, I will say. Not zero, but mildly low yeah it's like insidious it's like after the first yeah. one chapter two and three and then the lot last lost key whatever it was called just too many let's just leave it <laughs> at the first one maybe you're gonna do a sequel that's fine after three it better be good oh so you're gonna upset me and you yeah. want to upset me no <laughs> yeah do whatever you want hollywood i don't care um maybe it's still like a a, a, a criminal like law and order episode and she's like in court and she's like why'd you do it and she's like the devil made me do it <laughs> i really hope that's what happens i don't <laughs> i really don't <laughs> that's not gonna happen um so yeah june 2021 uh and then the last two on the list um i'd say are the two i'm most excited for this year um which are Candyman, the reboot uh mm-hmm. which um if you guys haven't seen Candyman, uh awesome horror movie uh which originally starred tony todd in the, in the lead role as the candy man and this one is being produced by jordan peele um and i'm excited to see what uh a candy can, candy can man the candy man can um <laughs> thinking willy wonka god damn it um i'm excited to see what a a candy man movie looks like in 2021 yeah, I'm excited for this one. And the director, Nia DaCosta, she actually is going to do Captain Marvel 2. Yeah. So I'm excited for her, you know, for her career. Uh, she's going to be co-directing it actually with Anna Bowden. But still, it's exciting. So, you know, obviously Hollywood has faith in her. She's, you know, a talented uh, filmmaker. So I'm excited for Candyman. I think it's going to be, it's going to be solid, I think. Yeah. And of course, it's got a, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II in the lead role playing Anthony McCoy because if you guys haven't watched Watchmen, go watch it. He is absolutely stellar in that um, in that series. So, so good. And watch the original because the original is awesome. And then the last one, a movie we talk about all the time. I think, yep. was, our, was it our first episode? It was our first episode. Yeah, Halloween. Yeah. Oh, Hall- yeah. Halloween Kills, October 2021. If you thought Michael Myers was dead in that burning building, he ain't. He alive. <laughs> nope. Yeah, and Hollywood, or Hollywood, Halloween is going to kill October 2021. 20, I'm excited, of course. We're both excited. We think that the reboot, the 2018 one, was really, really well done. So we have high hopes for this one. I think this is the movie, the horror movie, that I have the highest hopes for because while it might not take a bunch of risk that you know an indie horror movie might take this one is just gonna be i'm sure solid you know what you're gonna get you go into the theater hopefully we'll see it in a theater and it's just gonna deliver i'm assuming 
if it's anything like the 2018 one. Just good, fun entertainment, Michael Myers, and of course, Jamie Lee Curtis is returning, so I'm really hyped for this one. Yeah, same. Like, that's, in my opinion, the best Halloween sequel of all the movies that have came out since the original. Mm-hmm. That movie is so good. Um, and it's not a movie... Like, I feel like everyone wants... Well, I don't say everyone, but a large portion of people uh, who are fans of the horror genre, like, want innovative horror mm-hmm. If like in place of reboots and whatever, quells. <laughs> Um, and Halloween 2018, like, showed that, like, you can reboot a movie like that as you do it in a smart way that's not going to piss off your audience and in a way that's not, um, so out there. Like, there is a formula you can follow, and that formula is now the Halloween 2018 formula. I completely agree with you. Like, I definitely will say when I hear of a reboot, side quill, et cetera, I'm kind of like, ugh, I don't really care. You know, I want something new. I sometimes fall into the category of people that are like, can't you just come up with the original idea, you know? But you're right, Max. The Halloween 2018 just shows that you can do it right. Bring back the lead, Jamie Lee Curtis, and, you know, have talented writers, filmmakers on the project and, you know, give the people what they want and make a good film. It's clearly not easy to do, but it's been done, so... Halloween Kills is has a lot of hype. Yeah, and a movie that's like close to coming out next year, but it's really coming out in 2022 in the beginning, which I'm really excited for. I have to throw this in there now because I was, again, curious of when this movie's coming out um, <laughs> because it ties into that whole argument of naming a movie yeah. Halloween, which is Five Cream, a.k.a. Scream 5. Um, <laughs> that's not coming out until 2022, like in January. Um mm-hmm. And it's just called Scream, which you know we've had conversations about on this uh, podcast before. But I just found out, and I don't know how this didn't make it into your horror news recap, whether it was episodes ago or this one. <laughs> you know that Dylan Minnette is in Scream Five. No, I didn't know that. And From you 13. just, yeah, you know for a fact Clay Jensen is going to be Ghostface. And now I'm just all types of upset. That's just how 2020 is ending for me. You just know deep down he's going to be either, he's either going to be the, the, the Randy character, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, like Jamie Kennedy, or he's going to be Ghostface. Ghostface. All right, that's hilarious. I did not know he was he was in this movie. For people listening, yeah, Clay Jensen in 13 Reasons Why. If you don't know who he is, look him up. I'm sure you've seen his face before. That That's funny. That's you, funny. You just know deep down that he's going to be Ghostface. Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know, I'm just laughing because, like, I, the 13 Reasons Why was also a show we watched this year because, mm-hmm. you know, we're all in quarantine and it's a guilty pleasure just to binge through 12 episodes of that show. And now that I've found out, like, he's not a bad actor. <laughs> He's not a bad actor at all. No, not at all. Yeah, he just he. I feel like he plays a similar character every time, and he would be that one that's secretly evil. Right, and he's just like for sure. He he like pulled on my heartstrings when I watched Lost for the first time this year, when he played uh, uh, Jack's son, and that just <laughs> like ripped my heart open as I was crying through that entire finale. Um, but Clay. yeah, I mean he's like 
Prisoners is a great movie. Um, Don't Breathe is fun. That's an innovative oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. Uh, directed by Fiddy Alvarez, who we, we love on the podcast. Um, so, yeah. I just had to throw that in there. I'm sorry, I, didn't, <laughs> I wasn't like getting mad or anything at you. I was just like, did you know no, this? That's so funny. No, I had no idea. That's hilarious. Um, well, a lot to look forward to. And I'm so glad this year is over for many reasons. But one of them being, hopefully, we can go to movie theater soon. And hopefully more movies can film this year because last year, you know, we had so many delays, so many cancellations of shows and movies. So really hope that things, you know, start to get better for everyone out there, not just Hollywood, not just the film industry. And thank you guys so much for listening. Max, you have, have anything else? No, uh, this year can go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I mean like totally agree with everything you said. Um, you know, Hollywood's been taken uh, or hit hard by COVID, as as the rest of the world has, of course. Um, you know, I hope the movie theater industry can rebound in 2021. Um, if anyone hasn't seen Tom Cruise go off on his production crew for not following protocols, go listen to it. It's worth the, like, two and a half minutes of just listening to the, the, the Scientologist rant. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, this year did bring the podcast about, so maybe the year yeah. wasn't all that bad. Yeah, go watch Invisible Man, and that's the end of it. Yeah, that that's our recommendation for 20, 2020 So thank you guys so much for listening again, and we'll be back next week, twenty twenty one. We're excited, and thank you guys for listening again. If you own a vehicle with less than two hundred thousand miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.